Welcome to the Scarleteers podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome back to the Scarleteers podcast. Yay! I'm Amanda. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back. We are talking about two very small but very important characters, Delilah and Dr. Edwards today. And we are also talking to the actors who played Delilah and Dr. Edwards. Welcome to Maria Guyver and who played Delilah, the one-eyed lady that Eliza <laughs> stole the glass eye from. And welcome Barry McKiernan, who played Dr. Edwards in season one of Miss Scarlet and the Duke. So welcome Maria and Barry. Yay! Yay! Hi guys. Hi guys. Thank you for having us. Thank, Thank you. you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Let's start with our first question. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you got into acting, please. And ladies first, Maria. So, well, Barry and I actually trained together, which is why I thought it would be a great idea for us to come on the podcast together. So we both trained at the Lear in Dublin, which is an amazing drama school. Um, but I'm not Irish. Barry is. I, I guess I got into acting at school, secondary school. Um, we just had like a once a week drama class and I just decided I really wanted to be good at it. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I'll just pretend I'm really good at this. And uh, it seemed to work. So, yeah. And then I just got more and more obsessed with it. I was always quite academic, but I just kind of was always driven by my love for acting and to the point where I just thought I've just got to do this all the time. So went to drama school and here we are. Yeah, so pretty similar to Maria, really. Um, I had done a few kind of acting courses part-time, nothing serious, just I was kind of exploring what it would be like to just to see what it'd be like working with scripts and working with different actors and stuff. So I did a few part-time classes around Dublin and I didn't really know what I wanted to go into. I just finished secondary school or high school, I don't know what you guys call it. But I audition for um a, a course an acting course in Dublin like a smaller one and I got a place and once I joined there I was kind of like whoa I'm like I'm really into this and that was it for me really then I I, I got accepted into the Lear and me and Maria just uh, trained together for three years and that was really it you know I kind of I was always interested in it but it wasn't until I started doing full-time full-time acting that I was 100% sure that it's what I wanted to do you know and and you were you in the same year then is that how you guys met yeah uh, we were in the same year we had um there's three rounds of auditions we were in second round auditions together I think I know certainly third rounds anyway maybe not second maybe it was Frank that was in second round with me yeah we were in the same class like and it, it, there's small enough classes there's like 16 people for year, per year um you know give or take a couple so it's a lot of like, you know, individual attention and also getting really, really close to the people in your year because you just spent every day with them for three mm-hmm. years. So that must be quite hard to get into then if that if there's such a small group. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're just really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're pretty great. It is um, yeah. very competitive. It's very competitive and getting more so, I think, as the years go on. 
Or yeah. I should say just as well, that was a joke. I It took me a long time to get into drama school. It, I did get into the Lear the first time I auditioned there, but other drama schools I'd auditioned for a few times without getting in, so... You know, <laughs> I should say that. <laughs> pretty, it's a pretty grueling process, isn't it? Just even getting into a drama school. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is, especially if you're auditioning for a lot. It's an intense year of yeah, and a lot of money as well. And I mean, there are I think some schemes and grants and things to try and help people who don't have the money to pay for auditions. Or I think some audition fees are waived or subsidised now. But it's it's a lot um, of commitment. Yeah. Do you think that kind of set you up for like auditioning in general for, for kind of that whole process? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. It's it's funny because you're in such um, like a, a bubble for the three years and then you audition loads before you get in and then you get in and then you do three years and then you start auditioning again. So I think any drama school graduate coming out, like, you know, some people obviously get lucky breaks, but you kind of have to learn how to audition again in the real world and theatre and TV and film. It's still changing all the time, especially with the pandemic, you know, self tapes are kind of like pretty much across the board now as an audition form, but uh, you kind of have no idea what you're doing when you come out and slowly, you know, slowly you relearn. And And also I think, I think um, when you're auditioning for drama school, it's, it's completely different than when you're auditioning for a part because mm. there's so much like when you're auditioning for parts I mean we're auditioning like all the time for different parts here and there and like the vast majority of them are no's so you kind of get used to just the rejection of little parts and everything but when you're auditioning for a drama school you realize that it's going to be a three-year commitment it's going to get you a lot of contacts so there's a lot on the line when you're auditioning for a drama school so I think that there I mean I think Marie, you probably had the same experience, but I found auditioning for the Lear like really intense because it wasn't just like auditioning for a TV show or a play that you didn't get that you can kind of forget about. Like auditioning for the drama school was, it was a huge commitment. So there was a lot on the line, I felt. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You're you're not auditioning for a part. You're sort of auditioning as yourself. You know, yeah. do you want me as a prospect? Do you think it's worth like spending three years training me? Um, so. Yeah. And also I auditioned for quite a lot of different schools. And then the year that I got into the layer, I got into a few different ones. So it's choosing then as well, where am I going to spend my next few years? I had just a gut instinct about the layer. It just felt oh, right. But... I didn't I didn't know, Maria, that you got accepted into other places. Where else did you get accepted? Um, Oxford, um, East 15 and Arts Ed. Arts Ed, I actually really considered, they share a lot of staff with Drama Centre and Drama Centre was like where I was convinced was like the place for me, obviously, <laughs> never got in. <laughs> uh, but then when I went to the Lear, I was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. But the Lear, funnily enough, the reason I really liked it is I really liked the bathrooms <laughs> and I felt very <laughs> safe in the bathrooms <laughs> and very calm. Oh, it was good bathrooms though, those big green blue bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, they're really weird. Like they're half yeah, they're green, weird, half blue. They? Um, they're like, you know, not, yeah, I don't know why. I remember the first, I think the first round I did, it was like a really stormy, windy day in Dublin. Dublin's a very windy city. And, um, 
the Lear has this like big door that like once it's closed, like it has to be like opened electronically. And it was just like this fortress against the storm. And I just felt so safe inside there. And I just thought, yeah, I want to hole up here for three years. Um, I wanted to get out of London as well for a little bit. So it was perfect. Wow. So you talked about your how you got into drama school. Can you tell us a bit more about life at drama school? What kind of classes did you have to take? Or did you have a favorite one? And which ones were you maybe really bad at? <laughs> Not that you were bad at any classes, of course. And which ones were you really good at? I think... Uh... The classes that I, I, the class, my favorite class, I think, was acting technique. So we did mm. that with um, Hilary Wood, who was head of acting there. And she just has an encyclopedic knowledge on acting. And um, I, I really liked those classes because I just felt that we were, I, I felt like every class that you went in there, you were just learning so much, you know. Whereas other classes were great as well and you were learning loads, but a lot of it was like repetition and building up kind of proper breathing habits and like better diction. But when we were working with Hillary and acting technique, she could just say a few words or she could talk for 15 minutes about something. And afterwards you'd be like, you know, I still think of some of the stuff today, you know, I'm like, whoa, that was, it was they're really insightful. So I really enjoyed the acting technique classes. I liked to be on. I'm gonna be honest. I liked them all. I really, I liked them all. I liked um I really liked dialect class where we worked on different accents. I liked voice class. I loved movement class, physical theater. What else did we have? We had speech. We had speech classes, though, didn't we? Yeah. Well, we had voice, and then we had dialect. Um, and yeah, movement, physical theater. We also had these like project weeks. Yeah. So you do like five weeks of term. And then you do your sixth week um, twice a term. No, it's your first and then your seventh week, I think, in the 12-week t- term is a project week where they bring in like a specialist in some sort of more, you know, specific skill, clowning or mask work or um, ballroom dancing or like, you know, just those kind of um, periphery skills <laughs> that you might want to have or explore as an actor. And that's really fun because you kind of get to, you know, mix up the usual schedule you don't have classes all day you just have these workshops which is fun I would agree with Barry that acting technique is is the best class Hillary is just an extraordinary woman um, and actor herself as well as teacher and everything she says is just gold dust so you, would, you know those classes were three or four hours long which sounds like a long time but you're just sitting there completely lapping up every single thing she's saying um so yeah that was really special so casting your minds back to July 2019 which I'm sure for you like everybody else feels probably like a lifetime ago um but we were wondering what was your experience being cast in your roles of Miss Scarlet and Duke do you want to go first Maz or I go first you can go first okay yeah first of all 2019 even just you saying that and I just remember being in the trailer and stuff I feel like that feels like it was a different planet. You know? <laughs> I was like, holy, sh- oh, oh, I, I was like, that was, that was a different time, wasn't it, guys? Yeah. So, um, I've, uh, my story is actually quite funny. Um, so I did, I did the audition and I didn't hear anything back from it for ages and ages and ages. So I just completely forgot about it. And um, then 
my brother's appendix burst and we had to like drive to the hospital. So I was in the hospital with him. He was like in a lot of pain and I was just waiting with him. So the doctor came in, checked him out and was like, oh, your appendix is, you know, it's it's gone. So we need to like operate on you. And he was like, okay. And then as the doctor was there, I got a phone call from my agent and he was like, my agent was like, oh, good news, Barry. Um, you got the part in Miss Scarlet and the Duke. And it had been so long that I forgot what it was you know <laughs> I was like I was like great great and um what 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 is that <laughs> he's, like, oh, no, the tape. he's like it's a really nice part and everything I was like okay cool but uh I it's it's not ringing a bell <laughs> then he described it to me and I had to go back into my emails check it out and I was like oh no way so um I was really happy and my brother was going in to get his appendix removed <laughs> as my story is so similar um, well, <laughs> Maria, are you, are you sure? Yeah, I didn't know. I don't know when's appendix burst, but I also did this and didn't hear about it for ages and completely forgot about it. It was one where I put it on tape, and you know, auditions vary. You have to forget about all of them because you get no's all the time. Yeah. Um, so some of them I go all in. Like I auditioned for something recently, and I like literally read like the entire series of books that it was based on and I like was doing deep research right <laughs> never heard anything um and then this oh one was one where I was like I'm never gonna get this I was like there's no way I'm gonna play this one I prostitute because <laughs> I thought they would cast someone much older and like I don't know like a fishwife kind of buxom sort of you know <laughs> woman and I was like yeah I had half an hour to do it and I just put it on date and sent off never thought about about it again and then I was like months later, I was doing a temp job and I like went for some reason. I was like, I'm going to treat myself to dinner after this temp job. Like I finished for the day. I went to a popular Greek chain restaurant called The Real Greek. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sat there eating Greek food with like a glass of wine on my own, reading a book. And my agent called and uh, and I was thinking, oh, what's this about? And uh and they were like, oh, so good news, Maria, we've got a, you know, you, we've got a booking for you. And I'm thinking, what have I even auditioned for? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was the same. I was like, what the hell? I was like, I honestly have no idea. And he was like going on way. He was like, yeah, great part and whatever. whatever. And I like this whole time, I was like, what, what, what role is it? Like, what is it? I was like, this is so brilliant. But I have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, and then it turned out to be Miss Scarlet. And I'd auditioned for two roles. And I was like, the prostitute with the one eye? Like, <laughs> I was I was so thrilled because it was such a fun role. But like, I never in a million years thought that out of the jobs I'd auditioned for, that that was going to be the one I booked. Crazy. Oh, that's so brilliant for both of you, though. <laughs> what was the other part that you auditioned for? I'm just I auditioned for a part that actually another Lear grad did. Um, it was a maid, um, I think in the first episode, was it the first episode or the second episode? It was played by Megan McDonald, who is was also at the Lear with us, but not in our year. Oh, um, mm-hmm. She she played like kind of a sassy little maid um, that oh. was covering up for someone leaving. I did watch the whole oh, series. That, yeah, that would be episode two. Yeah, episode two. Yes. Maid in episode two. She has yeah. quite a few little scenes and she's kind of bluffing and kind of she's covering brilliant. things up. Yeah, she's great. Brilliant actress. Great singer as well, actually. So Maria talked about how she just threw away her audition 
in a half an hour she did or whatever. <laughs> so Barry, how did you approach your audition for the doctor? Did you do any sort of preparing or did you just kind of do a one-off for the audition? Well, it was funny because when I got the when I got the brief of what the audition was and the sides, I was looking at it and it was like two characters. So it was like Edwards, Dr. Edwards and Harwood, you know? So I was like, oh, okay, two different characters. Um, so I just did them as two separate characters. So um, for Dr. Edwards, it was like just a kind of a very, I was just like, oh, he's, he's, he's just a doctor. He's just come in and, you know, he's, he's found someone sick on the street. He's come in and they've, he just announces them dead. So I was like, okay, that's pretty straightforward. And then, for Harwood, it was more, I had to do, if I remember correctly, I had to do the um, speech I have to do, you know, when I'm tied up on the ground and I'm talking about who's coming and like, you know, they should have left when they had the chance. And um, that was pretty intense because I was, I kind of had to give that a bit of welly, you know, um, that, I, I don't know if you understand that. That means just yeah, I yeah. Do, <laughs> <laughs> a, a bit of gusto, you know. So, yeah, I didn't know they were two separate characters. And then it was only afterwards I was like, oh, they're they're the same character. I was like, great. So was that after you got the part that you realised? Yeah, it was after I got oh, the part. Wow. Yeah, it was after I got the part. And then I was, um, and I auditioned for another part as well, actually, now that I remember. I just, that just came back to me now. It was, um, you know, the character, he gets hanged. He's, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I, auditioned, I auditioned for that part, and I thought I kind of thought that was the part I was going to get, you know, where I thought I was more kind of more kind of inclined to be cast as that type of a guy. But um, no, I was the doctor. And uh, Same. I thought I was going to be the maid. I think she put <laughs> Annie maybe in the end. Also, I just remembered something else. My part when I auditioned was just called One-Eyed Prostitute, and that's how I knew what they were t- my agent was talking about on the phone because he suddenly was like. Um, he was like, oh, the, he was like, oh, the good news is that they've given her a name, you know, so she's called to lie great, you know, better than one-eyed prostitute on the TV. Well, we were, when we were typing out our questions and figuring out what to call you, we were saying, should we call her a prostitute? Should we call her a dancer? Should we, what should we call her? And so we were just calling her like the one-eyed Maybe. lady, you know, because I we didn't know if think- we should call you a prostitute or not. I mean, a prostitute is her occupation, and I don't think <laughs> that she would mind being called that. Yeah. So well, funny, Maria, that you said that because I remember I was doing um, the first the first TV gig I got when I came out of the Lear was a uh, the woman in white. Hmm. You think of that, Maria? You probably auditioned for that, did you, Mary? No, I didn't actually, but I remember you doing it at the time. Yeah, well, you you would have been great for that. You would have been perfect for it. But um, thank you very much. I had my I had my part, and my part was the the name of the character was Manchester Man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh come on, let's give him a name. <laughs> so yeah, it's nice when your character has a name, isn't it? Yeah, and I also should say that, like you know, as a young woman, you get asked to audition for a lot of either prostitute roles or roles that require partial or full nudity and you know it's very rare for me to get an audition that doesn't have nudity mentioned somewhere in the breakdown so um this actually obviously had no nudity mentioned and it was so nice to play a prostitute role who didn't have any scenes with men who didn't you know have any sex scenes or nudity and actually like her main scene is a badass fight scene with the lead character was Mm -hmm. just you know what a joy to see that yeah it's great 
So um, did you do any research um, into Victorian times for your character? Yeah, I mean, we, we were quite lucky in the sense that we did a lot of that when we were in college, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we, had, we had period movement classes. Remember those, Maria? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we would work on like a lot of the physicality of, um, of the people of the time, you know, which was pretty much informed by what they wore and what were the kind of correct, um, what was the correct etiquette and stuff like that. So we worked a lot on posture. We would have read a lot of scripts. Um, so I feel like we had a lot of that already in the bag, really, you know. Yeah, I would say we did as well. And the training kind of takes you through all different eras. Um, myself and Barry both auditioned for a lot of period dramas in different eras. So it's kind of in our toolkit. Um, I have always loved the Victorian era and I love watching shows that are set in the Victorian era as well. Um, but yeah, Sue Maiden, who's uh, the amazing movement teacher at the Lear, and she also does, um, she's also an intimacy coordinator now, which is cool, um, but amazing movement practitioner. She looks at like how the costume affects you, you know, how does a corset affect your breathing? How do you stand? How do you act? How do you process emotions because of, you know, the effect that has on your breathing and your posture? How does, did even did, like different architecture affect kind of the way people move? and act you know whether you're the difference when you're out in an open field or if you're in a castle with tight corridors or you're in a Georgian street or whatever yeah. how does that affect um your movements um and how you interact with the world and different people so there's a lot of that in our training um, um yeah we were continuously kind of working on that for the three years really yeah and then I would have done a lot of I did a lot of script work on my scripts you kind of have to do the work and then like just throw it away once you're on set because you don't want to be in your head when you're doing a scene. Um, but I would, I certainly went through my scenes and explored all sorts of different ways of playing different lines and her intention and also looking at how do you play drunk as well, which would have, we would have done in our, we did that in our training. We did this. <laughs> we had to do this like party where we were all like going through different stages of being drunk and we did it for like a whole afternoon. It was great. That was fun. <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> When you had your character briefs, did you have much background for your character or did you make up a background story on your own? Um, I didn't have too much background and um, that's not unusual for a character of this size. Uh, obviously, for, for larger characters, you'd get a lot of information, um, but there was a reasonable amount, but not too much. I did make up a back story for Delilah about how she lost her eye. Um, it involved um, a client of hers, a customer who was like off of a whaling ship and there was a harpoon involved, but I won't say any more than that. <laughs> That's brilliant. It sounds like it's great for a fan fiction story. Lindsay, take notes. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> We have a lot of fan fiction writers in the group, so they will be like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. Oh, very good, very good. I look forward to reading stories about Delilah. <laughs> I actually came up with it because I wanted, I was like, maybe they can bring Delilah into season two, which doesn't happen. Um, but I did come up with a story for her coming into season two where like, um, I imagined that Eliza's like business was growing and then she needed and assist, she needed like a secretary. And so she took in Delilah and she, she has to like 
um, trained Delilah to be kind of a bit more proper and like be able to speak to people in a civilized manner. Um, and Delilah got a whole makeover, but then she was still really like coarse and, you know, sassy and was like always like losing her head and yelling at people. So she was quite useful in that aspect as well. If you had any unsavory customers, because she was like able for them. And then I love it. amazing. I I went. I I think I spent a whole day like just daydreaming about this on when I was out for a walk. <laughs> Very my fair lady. Yes, very, very my my fair lady. I and honestly, it. I think it's a shame that Delilah didn't get that plot line because I think <laughs> she deserved it. Mary, did you imagine a backstory? Did you give or did you get any sort of backstory to your character? I think if I can, I mean, when I think back, I th- I'm pretty sure the backstory I had was just Harwood was kind of a career criminal. You know, was a was kind of um always involved in like petty crime, theft, a con man, and um, kind of later moved on to like impersonating people and that that sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Like he'd be like the guy who'd go in and like forge the check or whatever that was, you know? So that was kind of my backstory for him. Um, but it was also very much there as well. Like I didn't, like, it was quite clear to me when I saw that, the doctor goes in and he's, they had like kind of an RP, kind of an upper class accent. And then for Harwood, he was more, much more of a working class London kind of accent. So it, it, it kind of informed me already, you know, that this is a guy who can change, who change his appearance, change his voice, change how he behaves around people to kind of, you know, complete his, whatever his objective is. So it all made sense to me that he was kind of just a, a, a clever, shrewd career criminal. Did you know at what point did you realize how how big a part he was going to have in episode five? When I I mean when I was cast and then they sent the script out. Oh wow! Yeah, and then I was like, whoa, this is this is really this is great. <laughs> because <laughs> um, it was, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but did your was your character not supposed to have like a dog sidekick? Yes, I went into oh like makeup yeah. tests and something. I was saying that I was like, oh my friend Barry is in this as well and he's playing whoever. And they were like, oh yeah, he's got a dog a sidekick. Oh wow. Oh my god, I just remember that. I just remember that. <laughs> I remember reading the, the 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 brief that my agent sent me and it was like must be comfortable with uh we're looking for an RP accent uh or a London accent. And I was like, okay, check, check. And then it was like, must be comfortable around dogs. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> so originally, right? Originally, um, you know Garm, when I'm like, Garm, get them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was originally a dog. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> that would have changed the story. That would have. I mean, I mean at, least, at least I think that's what it's about. <laughs> I remember I got there and I was like, no, there's, there's no dog. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a shame. It would have been so cool to have like a big intense dog as well. But Yeah. But they just... I, I'm not sure William could have outrun a dog, mind you. <laughs> I don't think so, no. Although they cast like a huge, I can't remember yeah. what his name was. Um, I think he was a Polish guy. He was, a, he was such a gentleman. He was such a nice guy. But he was absolutely enormous. I was like, this guy, I don't know. He must have been like six foot five, six foot six. I think he was like a strong man, you know. Mm-hmm. so um he was he was the replacement for the dog <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant that's so uh, that you remember that maria i completely forgot about that i know i remember everything so <laughs> 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 
very in character. <laughs> um, you, Maria, you mentioned the um, really awesome badass uh, fight scene that you mm -hmm. had with Eliza. And you had an eye patch for your second scene because obviously Eliza stole your glass eye. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, did you have any special makeup for the fight scene? And how much time did you spend in the makeup trailer for it? Well, a long time. I went for two makeup tests for them. So there was a prosthetic eye socket. And then, um, which took, I can't remember, a couple of hours, I think. Um, and amazing, amazing makeup artist, uh, Claire Lamb, and her assistants, Ashling Duffy, and I want to say Dorothy Campbell as well, um, who were great. Um, they worked on me and they did, they had to cover up my own eye and then they'd like put this prosthetic on. Um, and my eye was like watering like mad underneath, even though it was closed. So like the tears kept like creeping out underneath the prosthetic and then they'd have to like stick it down again. And it was, um, it was a lot, but it was, you know, it's always really cool to have something like that. And I, I absolutely love makeup team like hair and makeup teams on sets I think those people and and costume they're like your best friends and they I just think that they're so cool and the work they do is amazing so um I loved just sitting in the makeup chair and just chatting to them the whole time so we we did a couple of test sessions and then on the day we actually I think did it twice because we put it on and then there were some delays with filming you know as happens all the time and uh we ended up pushing the scene back quite a few times um And so I think that we actually, at one point, we redid the whole prosthetic. Oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, my eye was watering so much. Like it was like disintegrating. So we had to put a new one on. Um, but they had loads and loads of spares. And um, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was great. I felt very honored. How long did the whole process take? No, I mean, I was, hmm, I'm, I'm not sure. I can't remember because it was such a, a, a long time ago but it was it was quite a while and then of course they put dirt all over your body and your face and um and yeah and then the prosthetic gets glued down and then there's all sorts of like you know fine details put on um you know to blend it with the rest of your face and put in all the you know gruesome details so yeah I, I want to say like a couple of hours um but each each time that it was done and I think I had it done four times in total with the tests and then on set and then obviously the eye patch which was much easier um for the second scene yeah so Barry what was the process for you in doing the hair and makeup and the mustache what was that like getting into the costume I had um What what sort of face did I have in that again? Did I have like <laughs> we, you had your face head? and it had a mustache? Oh yeah, no, maybe mustache. Yeah. But I have mutton chops though. Um, maybe. I feel like I, feel like I had. Well, a, you had a beard. Yeah. No, I think I, I think I just had a big full I beard. I a, oh, I did. No, I had. I, I remember now. I had um, I had a full beard and like a twizzly mustache. Yeah. But, um, I was I was growing my hair and beard out at the time anyway you know and then um when I got cast I just said I just won't cut it and I'll just let them do whatever they want and then when I got in they were like oh it's it's kind of perfect <laughs> <laughs> so they literally just like I was you know they didn't have to do much work on me and 
because uh, I've got mental hair and a mental beard. So they were just like, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, how very cordial of you to grow your own beard and hair. These are the risks of the job. <laughs> um, coming back to the fight scene, Maria, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, your scene with Eliza kind of opens the show and really helps set the tone of the entire show. So did you feel any pressure filming the scene? Not really. I, I think maybe before I got to set, I was kind of like, wow, it's the first scene of a show. Like, that is a big deal. But when I was actually on set filming, it was just so fun. And I didn't feel... It was at the end of a day. As I said, there were some delays that day and they were moving the schedule around a bit and it was pushed back, back, back. I was very lucky because I got to come in um, a few days before and work with the stunt guys who choreographed the fight and um, they sort of taught me the fight and I just filmed it on my phone, went home and, you know, watched it and worked on it at home. But Kate, I think they sent the video to Kate, but she didn't get to rehearse with them or with me until she literally got set. And it was at the very end of the day. So, you know, we're kind of under pressure of a time as well. Um, so I felt, you know, like very prepared compared to poor Kate, who just kind of had been filming scenes all day and then came and met me and was, you know, had to do this fight scene that was the first scene in the entire um, show. So, um, you know, she was a lot more under pressure in that sense than than I was. And I kind of felt comfortable and like I knew what I was doing. Um, and yeah, it was just a lot of fun. I, I didn't really feel nervous at all when I was doing it, but I find the more tv work i've done the more i find that that's the case that you kind of get nervous you know before you get to set on your first day and then when you're actually there filming you just forget about the cameras and everything it's just you just enjoy being in the scene with the person so 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 you each are very lucky in that you you've both got to have a little bit of a tussle yourself maria with eliza and um, barry with william is i say that as you said that it's kind of choreographed and it's all kind of worked out so, so do you get much opportunity to kind of have a play around and kind of work out what feels comfortable or as you say when when it like when Kate came on it was kind of let's just go and and see what happens um well for me when we were doing the fight scene um we had some time with the stunt guys but I remember we didn't have like loads of time you know oh, I kind of thought with something like that we might be working on it for like the like a good few hours but I think we just worked on it for maybe like two hours and kind of had it blocked off what we were going to do the stunt guys were great you know like that's you know that's that's their specialty so you're throwing punches and they're like okay throw it this way do it this way you need your back to be facing this way get them in a headlock like this and you know so it's like learning a dance you know and um they were just fantastic so that's kind of how it went down with my fight scene but it the fight scenes are tough because you have to do them so many times. Well, we had to do ours so many times. And um, they're really tiring because even though you're pretending to fight, you still have to have the intensity of a real fight to, to really sell the fight, you know? So you're not making contact really with your punches or anything like that, but you're still really going for it. So I was exhausted by the end of it, you know? I was pumping sweat. Do you know, it took me ages of rewatching to work out that your line in the middle of it is, does she ever shut up? Because for, <laughs> for ages, I thought it was something completely different. And, and I'd like, I think somebody pointed it out on the Scarlet Tears group. I was like, really? 
is that the line? Because I thought it was something totally different. Yeah, well, my voice, my voice teacher will be absolutely fuming with me about that. But anyway, that that line was really tough for some reason because I remember we were doing it, and nor- so what's happening there is obviously, um. I'm hearing her calling, you know, and then I'm saying, does she ever shut up? But we're mid fight at that time. And he bites me in the middle of that line, you know? So I say it, but I also have to be like, ah, cause I've been bitten, you know, <laughs> so it kind of, it kind of got lost in the, in the, in the action of the scene, you know? But it's brilliant though. Cause when somebody pointed it out to me, I was like, oh my God, I cannot unhear that. That is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, that, that line bothered me because I was just like, it was really hard to, just when we were doing it, the rest of the scene was fine, but just when we were doing that, that line kind of kept sticking out to me because I was like, it doesn't sound clear. It doesn't sound clear to me, really. But again, I mean, we're in the middle of a fight and we're like biting each other and punching the heads off each other. So, I mean, it, it's fine, you know? <laughs> I mean, it definitely stood out in that I, it, it, I remember it and I love it. I, every time I rewatch that, I'm like, I love that line now. Yeah. Well, thank you. Also, another line that I I really enjoy, Maria, is your line of "I never forget a face" because it just really reminds me of Luna Lovegood from Harry Potter. That slightly away with the fairies tone to it. And I was just wondering, you know, do do lines like that kind of stand out in scripts, or is that kind of part of when you're reading a script and you're trying to work out how you're going to say lines? Is that kind of part of work that you kind of do and go, yeah, that one stands out? Well, certain lines, I think, really lend themselves to certain accents and the general kind of feeling of the character. And that line definitely did with her, I think. It's funny you say Luna Lovegood. I feel like if I was inspired by anyone, it was a bit of Helena Bonham Carter um, kind of vibe. I think once you go into a Cockney accent, for me, that makes me think of like Sweeney Todd and like her, Mm. the kind of roles that Helena Bonham Carter plays. Um, But yeah, I think some lines are just really, really fun to to play with the, the rhythm and the intonation and um going up and down and yeah I had a lot of fun with all of her lines really um yeah you don't always you know some roles are really naturalistic very modern very you know kind of not mumbly but (laughs) (laughs) on a lot of sets a lot of actors are just like mumbling the lines um and uh it's fun to get something a bit more characterful to play with Definitely. Definitely. It's one of those lines that really stick out. And I love the fact that Kate kind of moves the photo to show you to find your good eye. That always makes me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, actually, there's a line. I can't remember what my first line is. Um, I like, don't I know you or whatever. And um, when so basically when you film something, um, you usually go back in once they've edited, you go back into like, um, a recording studio and you re you do something called ADR where you re-record some of your lines that you know the audio is just not quite clear enough um and I had to re-record that first line and when I heard myself back obviously you know the first time you see or hear yourself back you're like ah what am I doing and um that line was like really high <laughs> and so I'm thinking okay great I can fix this now so I try reading the line but in like a normal um like place in my voice like not 
stupidly high and like <laughs> immediately the director's like um Maria, and no I think before you're doing that much higher can you just do it exactly like because they make you do it exactly like <clears throat> you've done it before so I I didn't get a fix it in the way I wanted to do I just had to repeat me being really high <laughs> well Barry you have a really amazing monologue in episode five which is brilliant in the episode. And it really sets a creepy level for the guy coming to kill Eliza and William. How was that to film? It was, it was great because it's, I mean, it's always really nice when you get a big chunk of like um, dialogue or you get like, you're, when you're very present in the scene, you know? And um, so that was really nice. It was really nice to be the focus of the scene for a part of it. But I was I was nervous doing it, to be honest with you, because it was probably the most I had spoken on in like a television show before, you know. So, I mean, I had gone over my lines a thousand times, like a thousand times. So I was I was ready to go like when then when the cameras are rolling. But I was nervous doing it. But once I had done it once and I'd gotten through it all. I was like, oh, okay, this is like, I'm just going to enjoy this now, you know? And I was like tied up and on the ground and everything. So it was quite uncomfortable as well. But it all adds, like, that's all really helpful for the scene because that kind of discomfort. And um, I think you can really feel that in, in, in the monologue, you know? But it was great. I mean, I just remember being really nervous. That's all I can really remember, you know? <laughs> well, it didn't look like you were nervous. Yeah, it took me a long time to be able to watch that whole bit and not feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Maybe you were picking up on my <laughs> uncomfortableness. <laughs> but it's brilliant. It really does just like set the whole tape because nothing else is really going on around it. You're really just describing everything. And, and it just, it, to me, it just really creeped me out for ages. Yeah, it is creepy. It really sets up, I think it... It really, it was really fun to play because it really sets up kind of that element of danger. And they don't know, you know, that I've got like muscle coming in and that, you know, even though I'm tied up and I've been beaten up, like I still kind of have the upper hand here, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just fun to play that, you know. So the Scarleteers have a playlist on Spotify. Um, where we add songs that we associate um, with different characters and the series and the stories. Is there a song you would choose for your character that we could add to the Spotify list? Oh, that's a... a, hmm. I don't know. Oh, God. I'm only thinking of, like, really funny, silly songs, but I know that they, like, don't match up with the character at all. So I'd have to pick quite a dark song. You can pick two, one for yourself and one for your character. How oh, about God. that? <laughs> That's worse. Um, I, <laughs> Sorry. God, I, go, I don't know. I might have to get back to you. Hang on, Barry, you, you say something while I think. Hang on, let me think. Hang on now. I'm, I'm going to think. No, I'm thinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm just no pressure. To... I've got a pen and paper ready to write it down. <laughs> me I'm too. Through, um, I'm going through my Spotify here and I'm just trying to like, figure out I would say uh, I I don't know if this this suits but it's just it's it's calling to me I'd say Jay-Z 99 problems (laughs) (laughs) oh god I honestly I have no idea 
I should have thought of something beforehand. Can I get back to you and like send a long feed ad? Yes. Okay, great. I like Barry's answer. It's very appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. Isn't there a song called Delilah? Yeah. There's Tom Jones. Yeah. Ah. Oh my God! Well, here, there we go. There we go. Isn't there plain white tea that's called the white light? Yeah, I don't think. But I don't know if that's the lyrics with that. It doesn't matter if the lyrics fit. It's the same name, so (laughs) (laughs) we'll look at those. (laughs) Great. Um. Okay. If you could play any other character on the show. Who would you like to play? This is a question for both of you. This is an easier question than the music one. I think uh, for me, it'd be the one I'd prostitute. <laughs> for me, it would be, <laughs> for me, it would be, I think Jenkins or um, Moses. Mm-hmm. I think they were really, they were, um, they were a great character. They were really interesting characters, you know? Moses yeah. was like, he was, he was terrifying. He was really like he had a real intensity to him, you know. Oh no, we love Moses. He's yeah. not scary. Ah uh, no, Mo- I thought Moses was scary now. <laughs> no, I didn't think. I thought I loved Moses. My whole fa- we my whole family, we watched the whole season together, and we Moses was probably our favorite character. Yeah, I thought um, Moses. Was, I thought he. I thought it was. I thought it was a great. It was a great part. Yeah, and I thought it was really nice. I think I would like. Well, obviously, okay, it goes without saying, obviously, Eliza, because she's so cool and everybody wants to play that kind of, like, witty, you know, headstrong, independent woman kind of character. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think Tilly Hildegard. Yes! um, Because (laughs) I love character roles um and I just think Amy McAllister's performance is so brilliant and so funny and uh I love her as an actor actually I've seen her in quite a lot of theatre shows and she's just so transformative and every role I've seen her in is completely different she's a very very good actor um and she completely throws herself into different roles but her comic timing and her expressions and everything are so brilliant and that makes me want to play the role seeing her be so brilliant so yeah she definitely has kind of stood out even though she she doesn't really have many lines up until episode six Mm. her whole like you say her facial expressions and her timing is just amazing and she definitely made that one her own yeah and as we all know she's my spirit animal (laughs) yes just because she's german and i'm german so So, um, Maria, you mentioned, you know, you kind of created a bit of a storyline for uh, Delilah. Um, mm-hmm. If if you could write a future episode or be in a future episode um, of Miss Scarlet and the Duke, what, what do you think your character would do? Minor technical hitch, because I've just realised, <laughs> technically, Barry, your char- character has died. <laughs> <laughs> so, or... Okay, oh. perhaps you could come back as a different character. I mean, I, you know, I, ghost, I would think in a prequel, if you were to do like, you know, before I died, you could do an episode yeah. before I died, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, find, you could do an episode before, exploring the backstory of your character and Delilah. I guess so. I mean, that, I mean, I I don't think they're going to do that, but I mean, it'd be great <laughs> fun. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You never know. That's the thing. You never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps they could have been best friends. 
you know. Well, yeah. Maybe that maybe that brother and sister. Oh, that'd be that'd be cool, but kind of corny. (laughs) (laughs) And they just so happen to be brother and sister. We want a storyline with Maria and Dr. Edward. So, yeah, yes, please. Yes, please. Um, So since Miss Scarlet and the Duke, you both played Vikings. You, Maria, you were in the original Viking series. Mm-hmm. And recently, Barry, you were in the spin-off series uh, Vikings Valhalla yeah. playing a doctor again. Mm-hmm. And uh, was that fun to play Vikings? It was great. It was really, I mean, that was the biggest production at the time in Ireland. I mean, it was an absolutely enormous production. And it was going on during the height of the COVID pandemic. And it was kind of the only work, acting work that was going at the time in Ireland. Um, at least it seemed that way. Like for some reason they were still able to um, film. So it was great just to get on and even just do a little bit. I only had, I was only a day player, so I was only in and out. But um, just to work on the production of that scale, it, it, it's it's just, it's such a treat, you know, because you just see like the amount of work that goes into those shows is just, it's incredible, you know, but the part was, was like, he was a doctor, an old timey doctor. (laughs) um, You know, it was cool though. I had a cool costume and um, I kind of felt like I looked like St. Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) He did look a bit like St. Patrick actually. I I watched it the other day. St. Patrick in, in his youth, you know, but it was grand. Like I just had, I had a very like short scene. I was just like a walk and talk in a corridor with the queen. And then, then I was done and I was kind of hoping I'd get back. Um, because I was like, okay, great. I'm the King's Royal surgeon. So anything that's going to be wrong with the King, like I'm going to be there like attending to him. So I thought like I'd get back in, in loads of like later episodes, but the King, Oh, I don't know if I can say anything anyway. (laughs) I think yeah. you can say it. You could say it because I it's mean, been yeah, out for spoiler, a while. Spoiler warning for oh, yeah. Valhalla season yeah, one. Spoiler warning, um, that, that king dies. So, <laughs> um, not a very good doctor, <laughs> but um, still a doctor. So, I didn't get back on it, but your luck, these things happen. I don't even, I feel it's not even a big spoiler because it's Vikings. I mean, everybody dies. On that yeah, show. pretty much. Uh, that, yeah, I mean, that is, that is, that is a very, very true observation. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Uh, Maria, mm-hmm. did you have fun on the Vikings set? Um, <laughs> that Vikings job was like, again, I was a day player and that was my first time on a TV set. And it was a little bit traumatic. Um, oh. It, well, it, it was just, it was fine. But like, <laughs> it's, I, I think everyone's first time on a TV set, it can be like a bit overwhelming because you really like have no idea how anything works. You don't, no one knows who you are because you're a day player. So you kind of like get put in a tent with the rest of the cast, but they're all friends and like no one knows you. And um, I... I just had this very very small scene I was somebody's wife but I was like their first wife in a flashback and it was in this flashback it's like a crucifixion scene and then we're like holding the body of the character who's kind of supposed to be Christ in his own dream and you know we're like Mary Magdalene and Mary 
mother of God. <laughs> and, um, Mary Magdalene and, and the Holy Virgin Mary. <laughs> the Holy Virgin Mary. And uh, and then I don't know, I was like that third Mary that was, I believe, <laughs> the um, Anyway, but like none of this had been like rehearsed or anything. So like, first of all, I was holding the feet. Okay. So... <laughs> It's, and I'm supposed to be like crying over my husband, but like the new wife's like up at the head holding, you know, looking at his face, you know, beautifully crying. Um, and and I'm holding the feet. So I was like, I, I don't, you know, and then the camera is like right in your face and you don't really know where to look or anything. And I was like, you know, it, on a film set as well, sometimes you don't know, especially something like that that's on location. So you're like on a hill in the countryside and the director is like, watching the monitor like two fields away like shouting things through a megaphone at you so you know I was like there and like trying to get into you know I'd be very upset so I'm like there just kind of thinking about the circumstances and finding the emotion you know don't know when you're gonna film it could be like in 20 seconds or it could be in like 20 minutes so I was like sat there and then people coming in to do checks so they like do your makeup checks and your hair and costumes they're coming in and moving around your cloak and whatever and and I'm like there like crying and they're like are, are you okay I'm like, oh, yeah sorry I was just getting into character sorry oh god um so it was and then you know you do that however many times and then they um and then they were like oh more tears on Maria they were like do you want the tear stick and I was like oh god okay god okay and then they like gave that to me and it didn't work because I have contact lenses so like I can never use tear stick on sets ever I just have to cry myself you know which obviously is the ideal but sometimes people need help because you're doing a load of takes or whatever um but uh, anyway that didn't work and then the man (laughs) makeup guy like sprayed my face with water because the tear stick didn't work but it was like all over my face so I, I swear like the tears were like coming up my hairline <laughs> it was just so traumatizing and then I also have another little story but I don't want to say who it was but someone in a pretty prominent position on set I was introduced to um also we're wearing these like biblical costumes so my dress is like a big sack basically um like literally like a hessian sack um it's funny because i thought it was gonna have a really nice costume because i was like oh my god vikings i'm gonna have a beautiful dress and then i did my costume fitting and it was like this big sack and i immediately <laughs> went home and ordered like a massive indian takeaway and just, like, <laughs> things. i was like well it doesn't matter what i look like um but yeah so i was wearing this dress and I went up to this um this person and they were like oh you know this is this maria like she's playing oleg's first wife and this woman was like oh I didn't realize that his first wife was pregnant oh <laughs> nice. I, like, I had no idea what to say I was like uh, 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 nice to meet you <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't so say that. yeah it was just a very like overwhelming day and um all of my experiences on film sets since then have been incredible and so wonderful and so positive um but yeah that was a lot yeah I, I would say traumatic was the good word for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of projects, do you guys have any future projects that you can talk about that the Scarleteers can look forward to? Um, well, I also, yeah, I filmed something last summer, which annoyingly I can't say what it is. 
Um, but it is a big Netflix show and it was a load of fun and I've got um, a really lovely part in it um, uh, in the first half of the season. And yeah, I can't say what it is, but I guess keep an eye on my IMDb if you're interested. Um, it, I don't think it's coming out till next year because sometimes things just take forever to come out after you film them. But um, yeah, I, it was a lot of fun and I can't wait to see it come out. For me, what it's the only thing I've got coming out is I've did a short film there, two short films, and they're kind of just a post production now. So just waiting for them to come out. Really, oh, that's just going to be it. So they'll be going to short film festivals and like doing the short film circuit. So I'm kind of excited to see how they go because they're both two really good scripts, and I had like really nice parts in both of them. Other than that, I'm just kind of auditioning, back auditioning for stuff, you know. Okay. Well, we'll keep our eyes out for you, stuff. Thanks very much. Yeah. So I think we're going to kind of wrap up with a bit of a quick fire question game, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. if you're up for it. Sure. Um, so we've come up with six little statements and just basically first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, so first thing first, if you weren't an actor, what would you be? Detective. Painter. Wait, what did you say, Barry? Painter. Oh, oh painter. <laughs> like a well, house actually... painter or like an No, like What's just a painting? painting weird stuff. Okay. Well, it's funny because I'm not saying this because of Miss Scarlet. My second career jo- choice is um like actually is detective. Like that's what I would want to do if I wasn't an actor. I think you'd be a really good detective, Maria. I'm not just saying that. No, I think so as well. I actually looked into applying to like train as a detective with the Met Police. But obviously I was like, oh, but I still want to be an actor. (laughs) Um, But I mean, yeah, I would just love to be a detective. And I love doing like detective work. (laughs) What is your favorite food? I was going to say macaroni cheese. I feel like that's such a vanilla answer. (laughs) I was going to say a mango. I, Ooh, I macaroni cheese is my favorite food a risotto i love a risotto um like a nice sort of risotto with like spring vegetables kind of green veg and like a chilled glass of white wine on like a summer's day <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like very specific <laughs> um i also love barbecue food so like ribs oh my god a full rack of ribs and like some mac and cheese on the side in like yeah in like a barbecue place in march (laughs) getting hungry here i know we should have saved that question to last what's the best piece of advice you've received um barry do you want to go first i know what mine is you go first maria because i'm trying to think um someone once said to me you have to take responsibility for your own happiness because no one else is going to. And um, that was just like a huge lesson for me and something I've never forgotten. And yeah, I think at the time I was kind of going through a tough time and I was sort of trying to, I was worrying more about someone else's happiness than my own. And someone else was like, listen, you got to take responsibility for your own happiness because they're not going to, they can't and you can't do it for them so I feel like that's very <laughs> bleak but like it, it's I think it's really important and that has served me my whole life that's pretty good advice Maria mm, it is that's pretty good advice I, I can't, I'm trying to think 
the only thing that's coming to my head, and I don't know if it's the best bit of advice I've ever gotten, but it's, I think it's good advice. And it's something that um, I, it kind of comes back into my mind every so often. And it's that, um, like, you have to take, you have to bet on something in life. You know what I mean? You have to bet on something. You have to come to the table and lay a bet down. And you may as well bet on yourself instead of betting on someone else or something else, you know? So kind of similar to what Maria said, I guess. Um, so, yeah, just bet on yourself, believe in yourself. That was, that's always stuck with me because sometimes I'm like, you know, sometimes this career can be quite, I mean, it's always quite challenging, I think, when you're trying to make a name for yourself as an actor. But I think if you can continually just kind of back yourself, that goes a long way, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And also, like, even if you're pretending, people don't know. People believe anything you say about yourself. If you meet someone and you're like, I'm really good at what I do. People just believe that, whether you truly believe it or not. Hopefully you do believe it, but um, but it's the whole fake it till you make it thing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And and I think it builds, I think it's a good way to always come back to that because you need to be super confident, you know, and you mm. don't always feel confident as an actor, I feel. I think like confidence comes in waves. Well, it does for me sometimes. I feel really confident as an actor. Then other times I don't feel as confident. But I think if you're always, if your kind of rule of thumb is I'm going to back myself regardless of the situation, you know, then I think you find yourself automatically being more confident you know because you've kind of given yourself no way out yeah that's a great piece of advice yeah both of them what's the worst piece of advice you've gotten oh so much bad advice (laughs) (laughs) really I can't really think of well I mean I don't know advice but I remember like in drama school someone you know a teacher being like, oh, well, you're only ever going to play posh, pretty English women. And, like, that's absolutely not true. And, like, a lot of characters I've played, Delilah being an example, are, like, the complete opposite of that. So I think that, uh, yeah, don't try and pigeonhole yourself just because you think other people are going to, um, you know. The worst, my worst bit of advice is pretty bad. So- oh, God, what is it? Um, I did, before I went to the Lear where me and Maria studied, I was doing another course and it was a, it was a full-time course as well. Um, it was a much smaller scale school, but it was, it was a good school. And I, I was brought in for like a meeting and I was told that, I, this is after about a year of me being in there, I was told that I should leave and that acting wasn't for me. And then... Um, they were like, look, um, you're a nice guy and everything, but this this isn't for you. And uh, we just don't think that uh, you're you're going to be able to do this. And I was like, oh, oh, damn. But um, <laughs> I backed myself and I didn't listen to them and everything turned out great. But that yeah. was bad advice because I easily could have, like, if I wasn't, if I kind of wasn't confident in myself at the time or if I was feeling a bit vulnerable at the time, I could have easily taken that to heart and just never, do you know what I mean? And just walked out the door and, and never done anything else and acting again, you know? Mm-hmm. That was pretty, that was pretty bad advice. Yeah. You know, a doctor once told me to give up acting without knowing anything about my acting career or really about me. I went to do for a completely different, purely physical 
problem to the doctor um and and then she was like how's your mental health and I was like well you know it's all right you know but I was kind of talking a bit about it but I was like you know and I'm an actor and I'm a drama school and it's you know it's really stressful and there's a lot of rejection and whatever and that could be tough to, to kind of deal with but I think I'm coping and anyway and she was like you're so young just retrain now she was like it sounds like it's really bad for your mental health I think that you need to give it up (laughs) and retrain she's like you've got to do it now while you still have the time (laughs) I was like I was like excuse me you don't know anything about me yeah Um, yeah wow talk about bad advice okay next question what's your biggest pet peeve I thought of a pet peeve the other day, but I can't remember now. Barry, you go, because I'm trying to think what I... My biggest pet peeve is um, people who are very passive-aggressive. I can't, I can't stand that. I prefer someone to be openly aggressive with me than being passively aggressive. It just it winds me up so much. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, okay, I hate... First of all, I hate adults on, like scooters like children's scooters like people (laughs) I'm like you're wearing a suit like why are you on a scooter (laughs) um I also hate um I hope that none of you do this but in England some people that are like from the countryside but like maybe live in London when they go home to the country regardless of what county they're from they call it the shire they're like oh heading back to the shire and i don't know why it just really annoys me <laughs> do they mean like the shire from from lord of the rings I guess. <laughs> it's like where they're from the shire and like i kind of like that okay well <laughs> good for you it's not it's not a big pet peeve but like I, that's the one i thought of the other day um but yeah, I don't know. I don't, there aren't a lot of things like, oh, I know what I hate. It's not really a pet peeve that an individual does. But also in England at the moment, there's this big trend of like bank commercials having these like poems in them where they're like someone just like speaking this poem to the camera for ages. And I hate those adverts. And I don't, <laughs> know, who, I don't know who told banks it was a good Or the Spry Marie. Did you see the, the Irish Spry um, advert? No. I, I must have said, I think I sent you on Instagram, you know, the guy, he's like, it's a spoken word thing. And he's like, spry, it's refreshing, it's tangy, why do you drink it? It's gorgeous. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Adverts with poems, then, is my other pet peeve. Yeah. I, I don't like talking about pet peeves because it makes you sound like a really bitter person, even though it's just like thing you know small things that annoy you but Maria let's be honest me and you are two incredibly bitter people (laughs) (laughs) join the club (laughs) okay favorite thing to do during your downtime between scenes when you're on set um I love just chatting to other actors I mean there's a lot of downtime I always always bring my book to set and then like never read a page of it um but yeah just the act I mean every time you're on a set if you're on set for a while like you just become this little family and you know it's just fun messing about and chatting and hearing about people's lives and families and yeah just having the crack really 
Yeah, I'd be the same. It's just like getting to know people, talking to people, or sometimes just like chilling in your in your trailer. You know, there's not really much to do, to be honest. I mean, it's not like you can like, you know, go off somewhere and like you're kind of you're kind of on set and you're just kind of waiting around to be called. So how you fill your time is just really chatting to people. I think you know. Well, thank thank you so much for joining us, both of you. It's been absolutely lovely chatting to you. It is. Oh, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting us. And um, it's so cool that you do this podcast and that you're such big fans of the show. I'd love to chat to you another time about other period dramas and things because I'm a big fan. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's been great chatting with you. Yeah, you'd be welcome back anytime. <laughs> anytime you can share anything about future projects, you just come back on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And, so, and but, once once Rachel has written that the prequel episodes, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So for everybody else out there, if you are interested, the Scarleteers website is scarleteers.wordpress.com. And you can also find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Scarleteers. Uh, Maria and Barry, is there anywhere our fans can find you online? um yes <laughs> find you more information shall we say if they're interested in what you're doing um I use Instagram um I don't really use any other social media and to be honest I use Instagram quite sparingly I'm not too into the old social media but um I'm just literally trying to find what my they call a handle um, oh, oh yeah so my is um M F Giver, so that's M for Mike, F for Foxtrot, <laughs> Giver, which is G U I V E R. Um, yeah, M F Giver on Insta. Uh, I'm not really. I don't really have much of an online presence at all, to be honest. I like. I just. I have Instagram, but I don't really post any professional stuff upon it. Um, so yeah, I'm not really. A, I did not really. You could get me on online. Or oh, IMDb. It's always useful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're both on IM, IMDb and that's a great way to check where everybody is. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So it's just Barry McKiernan, yeah, just the name. Well, thank you guys for chatting with us. This has been a fun hour. Um, we learned a lot about your characters. We learned a lot about you guys. We appreciate all that you've done and you guys giving your time to us. Thank you again. Um, next time on the Scholar Tears podcast, we will be discussing another small but integral character who made a big impression both visually and in the story, Mrs. Parker. So come back again for another fun Scarlet Tears podcast. And thank you for joining us. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Scarlet Tears podcast. Music by Kevin McLeod. Incomatech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribute 4.0. Licensed. HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash.